This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode contains spoilers from the David Black trilogy and does mention Moulin Rouge, Throne of Glass, and Shadowhunters. For full list, please see show notes. There are also discussions surrounding self-harm, sexual assault, and human trafficking. Everybody and welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today we are discussing The River of Silver, Tales from the Devabad Trilogy by S.A. Chakraborty. Jessica Marie, we have, in the course of this podcast, read a lot of novellas. We've read a lot of additional stories about characters that we know and love. We have only had three books with these characters, but I don't know about you, but I love these characters. How did it feel to be back with them? It was so nice. I forgot that when you, if we were talking before this episode, you're like, it's been a while since we've been with these characters. And I had to think because I had, I read this twice for this episode because I didn't want to leave the world when we had finished the third book, Kingdom of Gold. So immediately I was like, can, can I start it? And we were like, yeah, you, you were basically like, read whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. <laughs> and then, and so I did. So just to enjoy the anthology and just to be back with everybody. And then re- I, re- I was, able to read it again for the podcast and you're like okay now you don't have to piece everything together you can just you're just again with the vibes because in the first three in the trilogy we get two to three povs but we get so many povs in this anthology we do we we have so much we learn so much and it gives us so much background on a lot of characters which was difficult for me Personally, but before we get into, I think, all of the different chapters, there is a really lovely author's note. And of course, you know, at Akafe, we read the author's note. And Jess, why don't you take us through this one? Um, well, I thought what was really nice is that the author just, and we both read this through the audio. Um, so the author was, she was saying that the t- at the time when she was writing this anthology, um, the trilogy had already been completed. It had already been out. Um, and it was, you know, peak COVID in 2020. And she was just kind of overwhelmed, as many of us were. And everybody, everyone was kind of coping in their own way. And she was just kind of like, how am I supposed to focus on a new project when that isn't where my mind was? However, she wanted to revisit some characters that she created and loved and and kind of felt like a like a home base and like we always say like it's so nice to be back with returning characters that's what this was for the author during 
you know, 2020 COVID. And so this was her comfort place. For some people, it was creating something new. And for others, it's returning to something familiar and there's a comfort there. Um, But she was just kind of sharing her process and sharing the writers groups that she had been a part of and wondering what could have been done different. And what's really nice about this, because we also, again, and I'm sure it's in the traditional version of this book as well, before each anthology, she um, would say, this is front. This is the timeline where this and thought this chapter fits in, and you are going to either receive spoilers from books one and two. This is going to be no spoilers. This is going to be prequel, or this is going to. You need to have all the information if you want to understand what's going on here. And it was the first time I've ever experienced that. Laura, you're you're more familiar with like all of our series and fantasies. This was that a first time for you to see. Yeah, I think I've experienced that a couple other times, but I cannot. Uh give you any names, which isn't good content for the pod. And I'm so sorry about that. But I know that I haven't encountered it at least twice before. But I agree with you, the way that context is given in this story is really beautiful. And it puts it like in a nice slot so that you can uh, look at the entire story in a nice cohesive unit because it is completed. And it gives us, as we said earlier, a lot of backstory. And we start with Backstory on Maniza. It is so hard for me to empathize with Maniza, but I I do a little bit here. I feel like you see where the switch happens with Maniza because immediately we start off with she just gave birth to Jamshed. Um, should we do a character rundown? I mean, it's all the same characters, really. It's all the same characters from the David Bod trilogy, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and you know that Kave is, you know, kind of the love of her life, her childhood friend. Um, you know that it's her, you know, who her brother is, Rustam. And it's kind of like the three of them were the three musketeers growing up. They were the ones who found Dara's, you know, his his gin ring. And so they're really, really close. And she has the son and she realizes that she has to go back. Back to Devabad to Ghassan because she's his Banu Nahid and she has to give up her son and kind of put her son through like a torturous spell so nobody catches on that he's a Banu Nahid as well. Yes. And she has been ignoring, she, Maniza, has been ignoring Ghassan's summons to come treat his dying wife for three months in Zariaspa. And that is just like, unheard of, unthinkable. She knows that she's walking into a life sentence in Devabad. She'll never be able to leave the city again, which is why she leaves Jamshid, you know, out in in the country, right? And that's something that Jamshid is very insecure about when he gets older, is that he was raised as like a country bumpkin. Um, but here he's a week old and Maniza talks about his hopeful human name, which I really liked. Um, and then we have the mark, obviously, and it takes her three weeks. I just like when we have timelines, it takes her three weeks to get to Ghassan where she's in the throne room and she's like, hey, my my experiments, I couldn't leave my experiments. And Ghassan is just like, my wife is fucking dead, lady. I don't like, what do you want me to fucking do? Go to your, go to your infirmary, bitch. She expected it and it happened. Like, yeah. And I mean, and then she also sees Muntadir at some point and he's like, she's dead because of you. 
he and he's putting the blame rightfully on the right person. You know, I get that. And it's part of the grieving process. And she doesn't have an answer for him because she's also thinking about her kid that she's never going to see again. Like there's like you said, there's a lot of you're like there's this person that you just can't understand and you feel a little a little bad um, for understanding how she's become who she's become and why. Yeah. And Mutadir is just like, I will see you dead one day. Like, you killed my mother. Everyone said you killed my mother. Like, snap, snap. And Maniza is just like bigotry from the mouth of babes. But also, like, you you did do that. Yeah. You did do that. And flash forward, I mean, I know we'll get to that chapter where there's another, uh, when we're in Hatset's chapter, where she's like, well, if you have a kid, she said, you know, she as in Manias is telling Hatset, well, you know, I'm, I'm the person you're going to call when you have a kid. Don't want to be blamed for somebody's death again. We're like, you, you weren't blamed. It's not like you were a scapegoat. You weren't there. Yeah. Calm down. Calm down. The <laughs> truth hurts. <laughs> Be less defensive. Be more guilty. Okay. Um, but here, here we have Rustam, right? Um, N- Nazreen it finds Maniza in the garden and Maniza takes her to the hammam where they wash. So Nazreen obviously knows that Maniza has given birth. And then Rustam, uh, wakes and, and Maniza fucking threatens Rustam. And it's just like really, Really, we're going there already? I like, we all know that you kill him, but you start threatening him now? Okay. She has, you know, I feel like her and her brother also, her relation, her as in Maniza, her relationship with Rustam is so different now, too, because we also know from the uh, Kingdom of Gold that she was very resentful towards Rustam. At the end of his life. And I say his life because we know that he's, he, he dies. Um, but it's so funny, like you said, that she's putting blame on everybody else except herself. She doesn't want to take accountability that she slept with Kaveh. She doesn't want to take accountability that she got pregnant. I'm not saying you can't fuck who you want. You can't have kids, but there is some accountability with the choices that she made. And I'm assuming that there is, you know, probably not a pro-choice option back then, especially knowing like different, you know, religious beliefs. So I'm just very intrigued where she's like, well, now I can't see my son. Well, I don't, I don't know. I have a lot of questions. Maybe this is like its whole other thing because she could have never come back. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Maniza is very complicated. We know this. We know this. Um, what is also complicated is that uh, Rustam has um, participated in self-harm. He has tried to end his life several times and Maniza has brought him back. And because of that, now she refuses to rely on him and she does kind of look at him as weak. I, I, I do think of that. She doesn't want to burden him. He, she treats him kind of like with soft, like kid gloves, um, so that he kind of is all right because Gasan beats him. That's, that's a whipping boy situation. Yeah. To punish Maniza. Right. I was going to say, Gassan knows that he, like, the best way to torture Maniza is through her brother. So that's kind of what, and you see that through examples, I mean, where he's like, 
Hey, hey, Rustam, can you cut yourself? And Hassat's freaking out again. I'm jumping forward to another chapter, but they all pretty, they all intertwine pretty closely. Uh, and Hassat is like, what is going on? And Maniza shows up and she's like, you waited till I wasn't here. You did that intentionally. Because she's on to Ghassan's yeah. thing. And Hassat, she's like, I know what it looks like between lovers scorned. And this is not that. This is absolute hatred. It is a lot. Honestly, I think it's more than hatred. It is like this yeah. deep, like simmering. Because at the end of this first chapter, Rustam gives Dara's ring to Maniza as like a uh, tangible object for her for comfort. Because Maniza and Rustam will never speak of the birth that has right. occurred. Um, because Ghassan can never torture it out of Rustam if Rustam doesn't know that kind of situation. Um, so Maniza's sitting there and she's like holding the ring. She's like, please come back. Please save us. And it's just like, damn. Damn. Like, like I do feel for you. But. Mm. Because and mm. that was also like part of. Um, the self-harm that Rustin was going through is because of how the devas were treating him and like him and his sister and his family. And it's just like the classism that happens. And I, I want to say like back then, but it's not a it's not just a past situation. I mean, it's very much alive and well today. Uh, alive and well is something that Duria and Rustam are not. These are, uh, are <laughs> Nari's parents. It was a great transition, but like, wah, wah. <laughs> I know. These are Nari's parents. I love this chapter between, uh, Duria and Rustam. It's just like, you know, she's, she's an Egyptian Shafi woman. She's in Devabad. She used to work for the dead queen. Now she works in the infirmary. Uh, she has to wash rags and, you know, they they kick uh, her Deva bosses, like kick the rags in the dirt and say they're not dry. She has to go wash them again. Uh, and then she, 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 Duria, we have to remember, had a relationship with Sobek back in Egypt. Um, you know, all of this is interconnected. How did you feel about Duria? I like her. She's just like doing the best with what she can. You know her background situation. You know that she was I mean, it was it was human trafficking for what for what we know between her and her father. They were taken from the Nile and brought to Devabad at you know, as humans, just kind of like the servants of the royalty in Devabad. Um, but there was something that because with Duria's chapter, we know from a timeline wise, it's one year after Maniza has essentially given birth and or a little more like a, a year and three months or whatever you want to say. And she's meeting um, Maniza's brother, Rutsum, Rustum, and she's kind of like missing her her former queen because there's no queen right now. It's just Ghassan. And there was a respect that they had for Muntadir's mother because she never had anybody like she never had anybody feel like they were lesser than. And she and Daria says like she knew everybody's name. We weren't looked over. We were people. And that's not how she's being treated now. Um, But she find, you know, but but uh Rustam doesn't make her feel like anybody because he's like, I'd know that smile anywhere. And she's like, I can't believe the like the body Nahid is flirting with me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because she she uh Duria goes to check on her plants that she just wants to make soup for her dad because he's homesick and Rustam's weeding them and she smacks him upside the head and gives him a bloody lip and they end up <laughs> flirting. 
And he's like, so I'll regrow these plants for you. How do you like the infirmary? Because uh, just as you said, you've got a very memorable smile, Duria of Egypt. Do you want to work for me? You want to work for me in the garden? Which is all very good for Rustam because we know that he's very timid. His hands shake. He wears his veil all the time. He's very afraid in his general life. So to see this like flirty side of him was very fun. And then, uh, of course, like it sounds delightful. Do you like soup? Like, uh, love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I love this little meat cute of Nari's parents. And even when she's like, yeah, like I love that she gives it back to him a little bit, too, in a way of like, okay, calm down. I'm sure you do it this for, with all the girls. And he's like, you're the first one. And she's like, <laughs> they're just very sweet together. It is so sweet together. And that is all we have of them. We have no yeah. more of Juria and Rustam because immediately then we go to Hatset uh, a couple of decades before the city of Brass. This is when Hatset meets Gasan for the first time in Devabad. I really like this chapter. I really love, I mean, we love Hatset. Like, we love her. She is truly a queen. And she's talking about, she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had my concerts. I get mine, whatever. But she's like thinking about the bigger picture. She's thinking about her political machinations, um, for her, for her kingdom and how she's kind of, I don't, I don't want to say infiltrate, but kind of like grow in political power with Gassan. And Gassan is very charming. And she admits that right off the bat. And she goes, you know what? He's okay now, but damn, I bet you he looked good a few years ago. So, like, he can easily say anything. And we know this um, just with how charming he could be and how convincing he could be um, from book one with City of Brass. And she, so they, they go for a walk, they go to talk, and she, and he, he's, he's wooing her. He's wooing her hard. Um, you know, and I, I'm going to jump forward real quick to the point and I know we'll go back but to the point where she makes her agreements they have some exchanges and then we go flash forward to the end of the chapter real quick and she's like fuck me I agreed to this already it is too late to back out but what are we backing mm-hmm. out of Laura uh, well you're backing out of <laughs> you're backing out of so much because the children would be Katanis and that is the thing that just Hatset really hates because she's there basically as an ambassador for Dimitri so that she can have better trade ties with her family but any children that she has of course would be Katanis they would be protected and equal but they will not be heir because Mutadir is heir and it doesn't matter um that is like a promise that Gasan made to him and his mother it is the the like reward i put quote 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 quote, quote that Mutadir gets because he cannot have a happy childhood he has a childhood of like grooming essentially uh for the throne and it is just it is just like it is quite something because then we have the the Rustam um, slicing of the wrist, just as you mentioned earlier. Um, he's just showing off Gasan is all of his possessions to Hatset, and then um, he, this is where. Correct me if I'm wrong. He takes her to like the top of the ziggurat to show her the room that he had created for her that yeah. is paralleled when Ali does the same thing for Nari uh, later on in the trilogy. I really love that. Well, and, and it's where he goes, you know, I really learned from like my first wife that she didn't care about the jewels and the riches. She really just meant wished like she can like have a taste of home and 
And that's when Hatsat says to Ghassan, she was like, what would you, what would be all of this if I had said no? You didn't know I was going to say yes. And he goes, I would have asked for forgiveness instead of, because I did not ask for permission from like my financial advisors for this. And she's like, okay, okay, I see you. And that's when we then go to see um, Rustam. And that's when she's like, oh, I, I fucked up. This, he's because even in that moment, she goes, I picked up on it, but Rustam flinched. He flinched. So whatever is going on, it's not what it seems to be on the outside. Yeah. And this is where Maniza says, come to me for childbirth. It's like, okay, <laughs> say like, less. Like, the fuck not? I'm calling someone from home. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, mm, yeah, I'm, I'm first boat. Uh, yeah. No, Dimitri. Midwife, yeah. You're not coming near any of my kids. And then this is the hate, right? This is the deep, deep hatred that can't be like uh, anything other, like nothing soured. It's just hate, which is is what it is. Like it is the foundation for the book. It is the foundation for Maniza's coup, right? It's a coup. What's the expression you either die the hero or live long enough to become the villain like that is i mean we see that from the jump in chapter one with maniza i mean everything's in chapter one right laura (laughs) everything's always in chapter one it really is it is it is um mutadir next chapter seven years before the city of brass I I love these Mutadir chapters. He's one of my favorite characters. I love these backgrounds, getting to know him a little bit more. I love this relationship that he has with 13-year-old Zainab, waking him up. It's just so fun. I love that he's hungover. It's just great. And she's like, why are you sweating? Why is there a girl's earring in the bed? And his first concern is like, shit, is she still in bed next to me? I do not need my nosy, busybody sister all up in my shit. And and he's like giving her like their little sibling pet names. And she's like, I'm grown up. I'm not a little girl anymore. He goes, yeah, but you're talking that shit all the time like a little bird. So, yeah, you're still keeping your name. Yeah, and then also she's like, I'm grown up. Can you take me to the zoo? Like, it's just, <laughs> it's very cute. It is very cute. And then she's like, hey, uh, but father wants you, BT dubs, and it's noon, and <laughs> you're hungover as shit. You better go right now. And this is this is where they meet, or no, this is where Mutadir meets Jamshit for the first time. For the first time. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And, and I note, Noted right away that Mutadir notices Jamshit's eyelashes immediately. They're so long. He's like, it's not fair. They're so pretty. It's not fair. They're so pretty. Oh, it's so good. Um, and then Jamshit has this meeting with Ghassan while Ali, at, at 11 years old, is fighting in the arena. It's just like all of my favorite characters all in one place. It is just wonderful. Fantastic. And Muntandir, like, this is, like, how you know where their relationship is, and we discussed it in our first Devabad episode, is how close they are and how the only thing that Ali knows is how to be a protector. And Muntadir, as the older brother, naturally wants to protect his brother from getting his ass kicked in this arena. And Ghassan's like, no, his role will be to protect you. He needs to figure it out on his own. And and Ali is scrappy. He's throwing sand in somebody's eye. Like, he is doing whatever he can to get out of the situation so he can get himself back on the upper hand. 
Yeah. And all of this is happening while Ghassan is saying, hey, Mutadir, like, that's Jamshit. That's Kaveh's son. I'm putting him, you're going to take him into your household. Kaveh's scheming. Like, you are going to make Jamshit, like, deeply into your circle. You're going to make him, like, your best friend. He's going to be essentially a hostage. And, you know, BT Dubs, maybe, maybe you get him to talk about Maniza a little bit. If you have any information about Maniza, why don't you pass that on to your, your daddy here? And then, um, Ali gets his nose broken. He gets disarmed. Um, and Ali says, or Ghassan says to Ali, like, sit down. Ali is never going to have, like, an easy, normal life. He's always going to have a hard life. You need to get used to this. And you have to get used to um, being a ruler because you are too dependent on wine. Like, stop drinking. But then what does Muchadir do? He immediately goes and starts drinking with Jamshit. <laughs> immediately. Ugh. <sighs> Well, he's like, you know, I can get some information. Well, you know, well, and, and and Muntadir even says, well, you know, I get it. But guess what information I found out because I was drinking, <laughs> which is honestly yeah. like that is kind of how like work things happen, which isn't great depending on like your own circumstances. But sometimes it's like loose lips. That's that's what it's there for. They all love. What is it? The plum wine. They're deep in their plum yep. wine. Yep. Um, and this is where Jamshit says, like, you know, I'm joining your service, but my dad does not know that I left the priesthood. He does not. He doesn't. And this is where Jamshit's like, I like your country accent. It's like, oh, okay. Okay. All right. Well, they're good. I, I feel like you don't know if they're flirting or they're just trying to be friends, which is very fun. Because I also think that, like, Jamshit and Muntadir is, like, saying Jamshit, he's like, you didn't tell your dad? And Jamshit's like, do you tell your dad everything? He's like, well... No, absolutely not. But Jamshed, it's like these are the, also the moments that Jamshed is like, I think I'm going to fall for this guy. Immediately. He was thinking that immediately. Uh, Mutadir is like, I'm such an ass. I shouldn't ask about your mom. Like, obviously, I know your mom died, you know, all of this stuff. And he's like, no, like, nobody talks about her. Like, this is kind of nice, um, you know, and we have all the time in the world for you, Mutadir, to teach me, like, courtly manners. Like, I'm going to be in your service for a while. And then less than a year later, we have Jamshat has his own chapter. <laughs> I love them. I love them so much. I like Mutadir on mushrooms even more because he's hilarious. I he's like hilarious. It. I love it. And Jamshan doesn't know what to do with it either because he's like, wait, what? What do you mean? And he's like, don't, don't ever like let me eat anything. And then he's like, he goes, what, what can I do? And he's like, just talk to me. Like, I really like hearing your voice. It's very sweet. It's very sweet because Mutadir was, you know, doing what he does. He was whining and dining, trying to get that information from a warlord. And Jamshet was keeping watch. They took magic mushrooms, Mutadir. And Jamshet escaped through a window, have a mad dash through the city. And uh, Mutadir starts rambling poetry like, we're no good for you. Like, you're perfect. Uh, you know, you look, you look so good in starlight. Stop it. Stop it. I just want to hear your voice stay. Like... What's the quote I put? I just want to hear your voice. Like, Jamshit couldn't have folded faster, right? <laughs> he, no, he, you're, what is it? You are good and perfect, and this place is going to destroy you. And Jamshit's like, I can't kiss him. I can't kiss him, but I want to kiss him. I can't kiss him. 
Yeah, he's like, if it were anybody else, I would have, but I can't kiss him. He's the Amir, like he's going to be king, like Jesus Christ, I cannot kiss him. Such a sweet chapter. And then you go right to Dara, uh, Dara and Nari during their trip to Davidbar. This is after Heropolis, and Nari is cleaning house in the market. I just love her so much. I love. She's just. She's always been about. I mean, she's had to always be about herself because she's about. She needs. She's. She survived this long, but it's this trip because this is taken place during City of Brass on their way to Davabod. And it's these moments that I remember reading in City of Brass. You're like, ooh, Dara's fallen for Nari. And Nari is just like flirting on, like doing her flirt on with Dara. Ollie doesn't even exist yet to, to, um, to Nari. So you're just like, oh, like we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, some of these anthologies, some of these chapters are like probably were removed because they don't make sense. Um, we're just re, um, the author kind of like had some, you know, like, wait, I kind of want to explore this story a little bit more. Um, and that's kind of what we have here where it could have been added. It could have not been, but we just get a return to their relationship before it soured so quickly for two, most of two books. And before Nari had, like, the weight of the world on her shoulders, she's just, like, a carefree thief. She's scamming fruit sellers and cobblers. She's, like, robbing everybody she sees at the market. She's flirting with Dara. She's bathing in front of Dara. You know, she's saying, like, I can't cook. We have another mention of soup, which is just funny. She's like, I don't know. You boil water and vegetables. Isn't that soup? And Dara's like, fuck me. I'll conjure some food. <laughs> uh, and he's, and you know, and they're, they're just like, and Nari's like, you know, are, what do you do? Like, what have you been doing? Are you a boring person? Meanwhile, we have Dara's like internal dialogue. He's like, no, I slaughtered thousands of people just like you. Like, I need to tell her about Kwai Z before we get to Devabod. So we have a little bit of introspection from Dara, which is interesting. And again, gives us a little bit more backstory and a little bit more empathy to his character. I, I don't know. I, I like these chapters with Dara because I like the path that he goes on. I like his story arc. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's always it's it's he's always had a certain end goal, but it was how it unfolded, which is what he even realized. I mean, we know that from the, the end of the second, definitely the third book. Like, wait, this isn't what I what we actually agreed upon. I wanted that, but not the way we got there. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and that's, that's really th that chapter. Oh, uh, Nari talks about how she, uh, doesn't know how to cook because she didn't have a lot of food growing up and that she used to eat garbage. So we have another layer to Nari that you're just like, I love you even more now. Just, just, you know, I empathize with you. I feel for you. And this is where Dara was like, I took for granted my, big family, all of the food that my aunties pushed on me. He's like, I will cook for you. I can do this for you. I'm your, I'm your offsheen. Yeah. I think there was a lot of reflectiveness from Dara for himself and like understanding the privilege that he came from, um, knowing and hearing, um, Nari's experiences. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Uh, the next chapter. I was going to say we transitioned back to Jamshed. Yeah, it's Jamshed at the end of City of Brass. And this is right after uh, Ali was almost assassinated up when everybody was stargazing. And after Jamshed dumped that body in the fucking lake. I like Jealous Jamshed. I like him calling Mutadir out on this. I like this little fight that they have. I like their fight, and it's such a lover's quarrel because you have Mm -hmm. Muntadir saying, like, you were my first stop. Like, fuck everything that you're going to say. Like, you were the first person that I came to see. And then even Jamshed's like, yeah, but then you went back to this person, and... But this this fight is compounded on multiple things because it's Muntadir coming to tell Jamshed, well, the real reason I'm here, because again, timeline-wise, it's after City of Brass, it's I have to marry Nari. Yeah. And Jamshed's like, what? Because what? Like, if it was just him hooking up with other people, Jamshed was still in the picture but the fact that he was marrying Nari and Mindy was like, I can't do that to my Bani Nahid. I can't do like if I'm going to get married, there can be no us anymore. Yeah. And and Mindy is like, that's why I was at um, Hanzada's and that's why I didn't meet you for stargazing because I was fucking depressed because I have to marry your Banu Nihida and uh, that's that's why that's why that's why damn it you want to have this fucking fight now while we're carrying my unconscious brother through the fucking garden and Trump should say yeah bet it'll give you less time to lie about it snap and then even when Trump should finds all this information he's like Fuck, because I really like Nari. She's a cool person. Like, we get along. So he's like, I get it. Like, as a person, like, if I was into her, good thing he's not because they're related. But, like, at this point, we have to remember, Jamsha doesn't know his relation to uh, the double relation. And I say that because we believe that they're siblings. And then we get the turnaround that they're not actually siblings. They're cousins. But, I mean, it's it's part of the journey of Devabad when you're reading. But Jamsha does it like he likes her. He's like, she's cool. I get it. But like, fuck, I, there was a chance. Like, I love like I love you. But they haven't said it, but they know it because we know that Muntadir ha- is just kind of he's never um, he's never defending Jamshed in the way Jamshed wants to be dis- uh, defended. Yeah, and what he is defending Hanzada, he's like, I can't give up that relationship. She and all of her students are like fucking all my guys all the time and they're just spilling secrets. Like, I can't, I can't like give up this, this like information web that I have here. And you know that. And then, and then Mutadir's like, BT dubs, Dara is getting all of the, the devas riled up. Uh, or yeah, and everyone's like, what? What? And then we cut to Dara at Jamshit's house. Just, just like talking, just like spewing, spewing stories, spewing stories. And it is, again, a sweet moment to me when Dara comes out after this and Jamsha's like, oh, your performance back there. And Dara's like, yeah, it is a fucking performance. I get nervous. I get nervous. And there's so many of you looking at me and I'm just like this old, out of touch guy who can't read. I always forget that. And, and I don't know what's going on. And so, like, like 
I don't know. I'm trying to be friendly and it's just exhausting. Um, but this is where we get Hanzada's invitation. And this is where it all kind of comes full circle here. This is where Jamshit begs um, or or Dara begs Jamshit to go with him to Hanzada. She's like, I'll make a fool uh, with without you. Um, wild shit. Wild, this was a wild night. <laughs> Yeah, when you think back on the timeline, too, like what we knew in City of Brooklyn, that would be interesting to to reread this, integrating the chapters in a chronological order. I think it'd be very easily, easily done, especially since there is very specific context, oh, much easier than the dual <laughs> read of Empire of Storms and Tower of Dawn. And even like some of our shadow hunters, like you've done wonderful in saying like okay read this particular chapter not the whole book of anthologies but this particular one but we're like was that chapter one or chapter two and you're like it's just titled here's the title read it (laughs) yep that's that's just what it is um but this this story is when uh dara goes and like kidnaps you know nari and um ali which is very scary uh because this is like dara and mutadir have the fight um you know if ali dies because of you gasan says you have eternal punishment um he's you know he's holding like ali's bloody hat he's like let's to the lake to the lake gasan we meet him at the lake and jamshit says like i'll stay by your side and the end of this chapter is like but jamshit was very wrong about dara's unwillingness to hurt him um, because Jamshit, of course, is uh, Mutadir's guard. And this is where Mutadir uh, was supposed to take six arrows and Jamshit steps in and takes those six arrows from Dara. And this is, you know, that is Jamshit's storyline for a while is recovering from those arrows. And that is a fucking brutal way to end that chapter. I think it helps knowing that everybody lives happily ever after. (laughs) It does. It does. It does. It does. Because you're just like, Fuck. Like, because you had that sweet moment with Jamshit and you're in his POV. You're like, yeah, no, like, of course he's going to, he- he's going to hesitate. Like, he- he'll he talk to me. Like, I'm the son of the guy he's staying with. We had this moment. Like, we're, we're close. We're begging. Like, he's not just going to fucking murk me. But he did. So, you know. Psych. Yeah, psych. It is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. Um. Jess, tell me about Ali and his chapter. God, I love Ali so much. So we are now with Ali, and this is a kingdom of copper scene, right? Mm-hmm. Year or two. Yeah. Kingdom of copper scene. It's a year or two after City of Brass. What we know of... I'm sorry. I'm mixing the two. Copper is the second one. Kingdom is the third. No, just you're know right. that. You're right. Okay. I was like, wait, because I know I think I called it Kingdom of Gold at some point. But just know when I say gold, it's the third one. Um, but it's a Kingdom of Copper scene. Timeline-wise, this is two. Uh, it's a year or two after City of Brass. Now, what we know with the second book is there's a there, there's time jump. There's a six-year time jump. So this is when Ali has essentially been banished from Devabad, has gone to like has been i say gone but has been found slash kidnapped to a new kingdom ish i say community it's not really a kingdom that he um he's kind of i want to say thriving but he's just kind of living his life finding a new life he also finds out that naria muntadir have gotten married and um 
he's not exactly thrilled and he's still writing his writing nari letters like hey girl saw this thing thought of you um hope you're doing well like this is this is the backstory that we know and we also know that this also flash forward leads to fights between nari and muntadir <laughs> um so he and everybody's like uh we see that you're still pining over the Bani Nahid and he's like I'm not pining and they're like what do you call your million different letters that you've been writing to her? I'm just telling her things I'm just I think this tree would be really helpful for her you know for her medicine so I figured I'd share <laughs> like you're not hiding it well my guy you're not hiding it at all at all my guy at all uh, he's also not hiding his Marid abilities when he goes to get this stolen girl who has uh, been taken by Shardun Azatu. Oh, you knew the name. I just had to look at it. Uh, yes, uh, taken taken by the Earth, the Earth Demon who's been banished to the sea, uh, Shardun Azatu, who has the face of a screaming woman and like the body of an elephant and all sorts of things. Um, and takes girls because heroes come and always like gets the girls and he has an army and he's gonna like tear. The point to this really is that he mentions Tiamat, which is like, oh, because these this is not in the book. So for us, it would have been like, oh indicator plot indicator what's tiamat uh, but it was taken out so it was just very interesting um very scary very scary um yeah very scary scene these shrouded girls well and it's very the what do they call it like the savior complex or the hero complex because the girl is like aren't you gonna kiss me like oh kiss my me. hero and he's like and I, ali's like oh. i can't kiss girls i can't touch girls i'm just i'm just doing what i'm supposed to be doing and then because at this point again timeline wise we know how devout Ali is in his um, religious beliefs. So he doesn't want to touch anybody. He doesn't want to marry anybody. He doesn't want to lie. There are a lot of factors going on. So even when he saves her and uh, her dad, he's like, I'm going to marry you to my daughter. He's like, thanks, but no thanks. And the father obviously is offended. My daughter's not good enough for you. And he's, and he, as an Ali, is even like, no. And he's telling himself, like, I am so sorry. I'm about to lie. But he goes, I have a betrothed waiting for me at home. I'm sure your daughter will find somebody much, much better suited than I. Uh, they say the thing in this chapter. We love when they say, the thing Ali says look at this city a city of this a city of that a city of riches a city of brass we love when that happens thank you Ali um and then he calls the ocean to escape we have this we have the offer I love that Ali is like wait what is going on what and uh Ali is like wait 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 wait. I'm not marrying I'm not marrying I will though Take your seeds. And Lubeid is like, I don't really think. I don't really think. I don't think that's the seed he meant. (laughs) And Ali is like, oh, my God. Stop. I just want the seeds. Stop it. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's too funny. It's too funny. Um, but then uh, Ali is also like, hey, Lube, do you know anything about Tiamat? Do you know anything about Bilquis? Like, do you know anything about this? And um, no is the answer. Uh, but it was. it's just it's just very nice. And it's funny. And it reaffirms their friendship. And it's just a really lovely kind of throwaway, as, as the author said, kind of like a throwaway chapter uh, for Ali, just a little adventure that he went on. Um, very fun. I fucking hate the next chapter, the scout chapter. Fuck these guys. I was going to say, I was like, you know what else was a great throwaway chapter? The scout. Because even on my second read, the first time I read it, I was thinking, um, and this is the only chapter that is not a character that we've met. It's just called the scout. And like, it's, it's like they're guards. Um, and the first time I read it, I was like, that was not value added at all. I'm so glad they removed that. And then the second time, it just reaffirmed what I already thought, um, as I'm sure you did, too, because then there are like there's implications of um, sexual assault that the guards are going to do with the Deva women. And thank God for women, because there's like it's just women have to be a community and standing up for each other. And that's what happened here, luckily, you know, and it just felt very just gross and again yeah. i'm frustrated but it's not like this doesn't happen oh yeah definitely they're tax collectors jahal and braun and they are coming from davabad they hate it they've been out there uh they have been out there for punishment because they are shitty guards a uh, one for hashish and sexual assault and the other one for wine and lateness uh they eventually just stumble upon maniza's fucking cottage maniza is not there dar is not there but they get in there they try one of them tries to sexually assault the woman that is there the other one like just lets it happen which is terrible but stumbles upon D Dara's weapons and then Maniza shows up and um fucking reverses the blood flow of of one of them and breaks breaks hands and the thing here is um Braun is from Kwaizi so he is shot by shot by an arrow from Dara's bow, which is all very poetic. But yeah, nothing added here. Just it all around. Yeah. Next. <laughs> I just want to move yeah. on. Like, there is no transition. Thank you, she cut it. Thank you to, if the editors cut it. I mean, I don't even know if it was... It, like, that. There, there's my critique. I don't even know if that needed to be in this book either. Yeah, just meh, meh. Moving on. Nari, before the Kingdom of Copper. She's stealing shit from... The treasury. She's running. She's running. She's being chased oh, by the guards. Yes. So, um, and she's stealing an item to help one of her patients because her the item that's needed. Her. Let me backtrack. Her patient doesn't have magic. Her husband took her magic away. The the patient. In order for the patient to get her magical abilities back. Um, Nari needed a certain object, and so Nari went and stole that object so she can go help heal her patient. And everybody around uh, the king of the castle are on to Nari when they see Nari bolting. And Nazreen is even like, fuck, shit, I know exactly what she's up to because at this point, Nazreen is still alive, and she's the one who's been training 
Nari. So she's like, so she locks the door. She, I say she. So uh, Nari runs into the infirmary, locks the door, goes to heal her patient. And you have Nazreen banging on the door because she knows what she has. Um, and then you have the guards trying to bang on the door. And, and Nari's telling every single one of those patients, don't you dare open that fucking door. I am in control of your lives. You listen to me right now. And everybody's just like, okay, she's scary. She's scary, Bonnie Nahid. We listen to you. And then, of course, her patient that she's, like, trying to help. She's like, I'm so sorry. I hope it wasn't so much of a burden. She's like, you're my patient. It's not a burden. Like, this is what we're here to do. And she gets her patient's powers back. Yes, she does. Because she has to destroy the shard, which is, like, a whole thing. She had to, like, bait Mutadir into it. And she gets into a huge fight with Mutadir. And then right from this, we juxtaposition to her leading worship for, like, thousands of people. <laughs> and which is a scene that I really love. And I wish we got in the book. Because it just shows that, like, she is worshipped by the people. And she is of the people. She talks to the people. And Cartier warns her about gathering power. And uh, to place this as con- context this is now four years since dara's like betrayal of trying to kidnap her um she is having dreams um about like a golbahar and like crocodiles teeth on her ankles um and mutadir wakes her when she's having this dream and this is after they've been fucking they've been fucking and they have this like big fight this big fight that they have here which i think is kind of sweet because we get a little bit um a little bit of uh, feeling from Nari, who's kind of closed off usually. Um, but, uh, but Mushadir's like, I got this book for you. Look, look, look at me. I have this book for you. And Nari's like, uh huh, Jamsha did this. Let's be real here. You didn't do this. And I do like how Mushadir is like, Nari, why, why are you like this? Like, it, we didn't used to be like this. Like, we used to talk. You used to, like, end your days with me. We used to sleep in the same bed. We used to have this, like, rapport with each other. What changed? You don't always have to make it so hard. I don't want to be here that much either. It's so sweet because you see Munchadir being vulnerable with her. And I think we have to remember the timeline um, where, like, think about the timeline as a city. We're in Copper. We're in book two. We know there's a six-year time jump. This chapter takes place probably about, like, four years into it. So we know Gassan's still around. We know she's loved and adored. Um, And then if you go back to our book two episode we know that their wedding night was not like they didn't consummate on their wedding night they and then it's this chapter that we find out they consummated a year later um and it and it was a lot of courting that muntadir did they were getting to know each other as friends and you know eventually one night you know again it's explored in this chapter she just had like too much wine and she's like let's get this over with you know how romantic and um he's like "Uh, okay and it was that moment that he even said like i feel like that was every time we're intimate with each other you pull away you put a wall up like she finally feels comfortable enough to like sleep with him again because we also know that they're both like they need to like create an heir and 
every time that happens, her walls go up. And Muntadira is like, I'm trying here. Like, I wanted to be with somebody else, too. At this point, let's remember that she doesn't know about Muntadira and Jamshid. And we know from this novella and also like just putting things together from the timeline that he is referring to Jamshid. Yeah, he is. He is. And it is in the book that Jamshit gave Mutadir to give to Nari that we have a little reference of uh, Duria and her uh, Muhia plants, uh, the sketching that she has, which is just very nice. Um, but all that to say that um, Nari says, like, you're not a thoughtful person, Mutadir. Like, it's just you're just not thoughtful. Um, how many times should we fuck that will satisfy you? Like, she's very cruel with him at the end of this chapter. Um, and her not her saying to Mujadir, you're not thoughtful is um, something that she says to Ali later on, saying that you are thoughtful to Ali, which is just I love so much. Um, but we have Ali, his next chapter in the Kingdom of Copper after Zainab and Ali visit the, the temple. This is Ali and Nari in the gazebo in like um the orange area the orange grove area in the garden i love them i just i just i just cannot i just i smile i love them they're it's oh and it's also this part hurts a little bit because you can tell ali is trying because he's like can we go back to how it used to be and he's referring to before he deceived her from book one. And she's like, I don't I don't think we could ever get back to that place. And he goes, is it because of the boat? Is it because like the shit that I pulled? Because I am sorry. Like, I don't know how how to express it, how else to say it. I am so devastatingly sorry for for what I put you through because she trusted him and he broke down her walls and she hasn't been able to trust everybody again um, because of like we know how she was brought up and what she's had to go through. And she even said she's like, you know what, that actually doesn't have anything to do with it anymore. It's just there's too many things at play. And I am this person. I am a representation. Um, I, I there's so much on my shoulders right now that if I, if we get to that point, it's going to be harder for me to make certain decisions. And Ali is just like, well, I'll plant a garden for you. I will sniff your hair when you walk by. I will um, plant an herb garden for you. I will be very thoughtful. And she says, like, you're very thoughtful. I will notice that you're lonely because she is. I will talk to you. This is Ali. Um, and I, I like Ali is like, uh, they are reminiscing in the library. He's like, remember when the book hit me? It hurt so bad. I wanted to like scream and knock me over, but I was trying to be so like, you know, stoic for you. And she's like, well, can we grow irises? He was like, I will grow them everywhere for you. Um, and then she, um, you know, it's too easy to make a mistake if I start to like be friends with you again. But then it's my favorite. It's my favorite thing in the whole world. It's not even in the main trilogy. He stilled the rain so that it wouldn't fall on her head as she walked away. Ali, Ali, sir, I cannot. This man is head over heels for this woman, and he doesn't even, like, he's so in love with her that it's like love is not a strong enough word because he doesn't know what this feeling is. 
Yeah, he has no idea, has no like reference or context, and it, it's just amazing. Uh, Zainab, we finally have a Zainab chapter. <sighs> Did this make you feel like you wish you had more Zainab chapters? Because yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we didn't nearly get enough Zainab because we got we got teenager Zainab and now we have Zainab having her own chapter. I mean, I don't know if it's in the works, but if if um, the author has its own little spinoff with Zainab and Akisa here for it. We we love a sapphic story. It's mm-hmm. and you see it there, and you also see that Zainab is questioning everything that she's she's known up until this point too and it's further confirmed in a later chapter with dara or not not even a dara chapter it's called the alternate epilogue yes so this starts off with a memory of um zainab dressing mutu or zainab dressing ali and all of mutadir's like full regalia to go with the meeting for the priest with nari at the temple to go like save her i just love it so much but then she, we are transported directly like to the hospital right we're like back into the war she's sore she's getting treated um by supa um for her broken wrist all, all of this stuff like magic is gone the veil is gone ali's been taken by the ifrit like akiza is there and Zainab feels guilty, right? Like the Citadel has fallen. Like Ali is back because of all of these machinations. And nobody knows what's going on. And she's got all of the devas out there and all of her people. And shit is going down. And Zainab steps up. She steps up as a fucking leader. And I love to see it. Well, and you know what? She was... She needed a second to think. She needed a second to pause. Because her whole life, she was groomed... As the princess, she was groomed to be married off, not to be the leader of Devabad. Um, I love this part where she knows, because we we talked about in, in the previous episodes of how we love seeing how Nari and Zainab's relationship has grown once we got past like the initial female betrayal. Um, but we've seen them grow and you see Zainab's like, this isn't this isn't Nari. And everybody, you know, everybody around her is like, what is it with you and your fucking family defending Nari? Like, that's her flag. And Zainab's like, but th- no, I know her. This is the exact opposite of what she wants. And we know this again, because this is, you know, we're reading this after we've read the whole trilogy um, because it's, her, it's I was going to say Nari's mom because we've been conditioned to think it's her mom. Um, but it's Maniza. And. Um, and she's just like, just give me a second to think because she's also like, where the hell is Muntadir? She has no idea. She doesn't know where Ollie is. And that's where you find out in this chapter. She's finding out. I, there's a little kid. The little kid is recounting everything that he's seen. And he goes, I don't know, but this Ifra attacked and then he was gone. And ever, so, you know, we know when Ifrit's attacked, typically it ends in death. So she's like, shit, it's on me. Shit, shit. I did not prepare for this, but we need we need information. And, you know, where do they go? They go to Tanitri. Yep. They go to Tanitri and they go to, like, re redo everything. Uh, I like that they see the ziggurat walls rising. Um, they all of that, all of that. Um, and 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 I like that. It's like, you know what? You know what? This sucks. All of this sucks. I don't I don't know if I can do this. And this is where Akiza's like, yes, you can, like, step up. You're the princess. Like, let's go. Let's go. Um, which is a really nice way to transition to Mutadir at the end of the Empire of Gold. Um, because they're burning their marriage contract. And I just I, I just love it. I love it so much. And I, as a reader, 
forgot going into this chapter that Mutadir loses an eye. So his trauma and his dealing with this losing of an eye uh, was good to see um, because and and I think was value added. But, okay, can you re- remind me? Is this the chapter where he's telling Nari we could have been a great force, or was that the fight chapter? He's like, I think we could, we we really would have been like, even if the like the the romantic love wasn't there, we were pretty. We could have been a really profound like political force. That I believe that was in the other chapter. Oh, okay. My my note for this chapter says mostly that this is where Jamshit um, says like you know um, my mother did this. I don't know how to feel. I'm like mourning my mother, but like this is terrible. All of these feelings, um, and Mutadir is feeling very lost, and he doesn't want to burden him. And this is where Mutadir and Jamshit have their confessions. Yeah. Where um, Mutadir confesses that, yes, Kaveh did get killed in the street. That's terrible. And Jamshit's like, well, I poisoned your brother. So <laughs> that kind of. <laughs> yeah. I And, you know, I like that. I, I, you almost feel like you're getting different points of view. because Even though we're in Mutadir POV, you're getting a lot of conversations because he burns the, he does burn the divorce papers. He's talking to Nari. He's telling Nari. So I heard from Zainab, you and Ali have been like holding hands. Holding hands. <laughs> She's like, Oh my God. Like, I don't want And he's, and she's like, Hey, remember when you just reminded me that I can move mountains? You might want to watch who you're kind of taunting and teasing. Cause I'll move, I'll drop a house on you kind of thing, <laughs> which, um, I I mean, and I know we'll get into it, um, but just not like you get so many different POVs. I love these characters. It's so refreshing. And despite and, and jumping forward to jump shit in this chapter, too, it's confessions are out and there's an unconditional love there that you don't see often you know so often people talk about you know i say people talk about so often love is conditional so when they're like yeah you killed a guy you almost killed my brother i still love you i get it politics (laughs) it's sweet yeah and he does he's like why did you do it it's like i saw no other way it was vengeance you don't leave threats to fester devabod comes first all of that stuff um and then we also have like mutadir uh had tried to take his life when he was in the cell he really thought that that was the end and that everybody was dead and this is where jamshit's like um, I know that you don't want to go to the palace. I know that you feel lost. I know that you're going to stay with Zainab. Fuck that. Come stay with me. People are going to talk. Let them fucking talk. I want to be with the man I want to be with. Come stay with me. We can try. Like, we deserve happiness. Take me home. Like, I love it. Say less. It's so good. It's so good. Um, and then we go right to the alternative epilogue with Dara in the tavern in Babali. And what we know with Dara from the end of book three is that he is trying to, I don't want to say make amends. Penance? Yes, penance. Thank you. So he's he's on his little happy hunt. And also, this is a part... No, I guess I am answering my own question in my head. So we know... He has to go beyond Devabad to 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 go on his hunt for these people. I say not in a bad way, but just so 
they can get their um, tokens in a way. Like he had his ring. Mm-hmm. And so other people have other um, inanimate objects in a way. So he finally finds somebody who he's been stalking for for days lets it slip when he tells him i got it you know so and so's name and the person's like how did how did you know my name and then people start recognizing him as the scourge as the off sheen he's about to get kicked out of the bar but who comes along to unknowingly save the day Oh, that would be Zainab. <laughs> Zainab, because Zainab, Zainab is at her wit's end trying to impress Akuza on this journey because they were in Bernabot and everything there just reminded um, Akuza of Lubade and she just couldn't do it anymore. And she just, she just doesn't, she just want to be there. So they stayed there for a little bit and got up and went to travel. Um, and and they're flirting the whole way. It's like, you don't have to think about matches anymore. There's lots of long, lingering looks. We love it so much. You're rather memorable, Zainab. Like, it's it's all good. It's all good. Um, so in the course of their travels, uh, Akiza's like, let's go to Babylon. Let's see what's what. Let's get some news. See what's, you know, going on in Davidbaugh. Get your brother. And, like, uh, as they're coming up, the the people that were inside that were angry that left are coming out and we're like, fuck, the Afshin is in there. And Akiza is like, well, I'm going to go kill him because his his uh, revolt got Lubade killed. And that's why we left Bernabot because I'm so like upset about it. It's a whole thing. And Zainab is like, hey, hey, hey wait, 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 wait. Let, let's see what is going on here. We love it. We love to see it. Um and Dara's like, hey, why are you here, Zainab? Zainab, are you serious? All the way out here in in this like this like weird um kind of hideaway village? And Zainab's like, I had to get I had to get away. I had to get I had to get the fuck away. And Dara's like, bet, I understand. <laughs> yeah, my bad. I, I did that. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I did the same thing. Like, I totally understand. Here's the news. Ali is the finance minister. Like, Nari found her grandfather. She's taking on medical students. She's fixing up a house. Um, and then Dara apologizes. He apologizes about everything. And it's growth for him, which is nice to see. Yeah, and I think, and I mean, even at this point, Akisa st- still wants to kill him. She still wants to kill him. But Zainab's like, nah, like, circumstances, like, I get it. Um I like the bartender was like kicking everybody out. She's like, "Oh, oh, princess! Oh, have a seat, Every- on the house. Look how hospitable I am. Oh, it felt so pretty, woman. Where she was like, big mistake, huge, huge, huge. So good, so good. Uh, the problem that Dara has is that Dara cannot talk to humans. He cannot appear in front of humans, so he uh, can't follow up on Zainab's excellent idea." To track down very supernatural using like, you know, gossip. Like, ooh, anybody come in <laughs> any wealth? Anybody doing anything? We've got a case. Um, so it's one of those. But none of them can do it because they are like Jin, except Akiza, who has experience and she can appear before humans. Um, you need exposure from birth to be able to do that, and she has that. So she's like, I can help Dara get the vessels, um, but I don't want to leave you, Zainab. And Zainab's like, Well, I don't want to leave you either. So we all go in. Hey, hey, Dara, we all go in. Let's go. Let's go. I'm telling you, there's something there. I don't know what it is, but I'd be fine. I think a lot of people would be fine. It was like part two of, you know, secondary trilogy. <laughs> yeah. And Dara's like, all right, fine. We're going to go get Viziresh, and then we are going separate ways. And everyone's like, all right, bet, bet, bet. And then they go. 
And that's the alternative ending. And then we go right back to Nari uh, 1.5 years after. This is now after the Empire of Gold. Uh I cry in this chapter. I cry disgustingly in this chapter. It surprises me every time. Yeah, I I mean, it's a good chapter. So we're 1.5 years after the end of gold. And and the way we ended things with uh, Nari and Ollie were very much like a, be patient with me. I like you, um, but... I got a lot of baggage and a lot of trauma and you got to give me time. If you want to wait around, great. If not, cool. Um, we still have to disassemble the entire monarchy and uh, rebuild this country to whatever it's going to be. She doesn't want the power. She just wants to keep doing her Dr. Bonnie Nahid stuff, healing. Um, she found it like a a cool little place that's close to the hospital downtown, part of her community. Um, and Ali's kind of doing his thing. He's like an accounting bookkeeper, like Laura had mentioned from that we knew from the alternative epilogue. And it's Ali's birthday. It's Ali's birthday. Nari has a gift for him. And she is leaving Jamsha in charge of the infirmary. She's like, I got to go get the guest of honor. Mishmish, let's go get him. Let's go get a mishmish. Mishmish. Oh, it's so good. Mishmish takes her to uh, Ali's River. Remember, Devabad has been picked up and a mountain is between it and the lake. And Ali has put a river around Devabad. And uh, Ali's trying to manage the river. But Sobek is like, rivers can do whatever they want. It's like very new. Uh, so this river... Uh, Nari tries to get in to try to alleviate some of this fear that she's having because she is like aware of this trauma and she does feel bad about it. So she's in the water. She's like trying to call to Ali and she gets in up to her shoulders and then she really starts to freak out um, because Kandisha stole her love of swimming when she tried to drown her and the ghouls tried to drag her down. Like fair, fair. Um, but then Ali comes and has her arms, his arms around her and he's like, I have you. You're safe. And she's like, I'm a coward. And Ali's like, I felt your distress. I'm here for you. Stop. Stop. Well, you know what else she needs to stop is making out with him because she's like, crap, all I want to do is like straddle him and make out with him. Boy looks so good. And like, I know he doesn't want to be like really physical before marriage. And so um, she she says something that kind of lets it slip, though, that they need to get back to her apartment. And he's like. I'm being beckoned. You did something. What did you plan? And she ha- she lets us live like, so it's your birthday and everybody's going to be there and they're all going to be at my house. In this moment, he's not even concerned about his birthday. He's like, are we imposing on your space? I know you like your solitude, <laughs> basically. They're just so, they're just so... <sighs> If you've been following the podcast, you know I love a romance, especially when there's no um, when when everybody's fallen in love with each other before any physicality has been involved, and that is already what happens. And they're both so vulnerable here, and um, it's just a sweet chapter. You continue because I'm just gonna just keep saying how ooey gooey gushy it is. <laughs> 
Well, it's it's Ali's quarter century birthday, which means that he's allowed to marry now. Uh, so Hatset has his mother has been, uh, you know, inundating him with like, hey, I'm this old and you're this old and I want grandkids now. Like, you can marry now. Do it, do it, do it. And Ali's like, but I'm too busy to marry. And Nari's like, what? Wait, what? You're too busy to marry? And she's holding this gift, right? This gift. She's like, shit. What are you talking about? And he's like, well, I don't want to lose, like, you know, I I spend all this time with you. I don't want to lose that. If I got married, I couldn't spend all of this time with you, like doing your books, uh, ma- you know, managing your accounts. And he and she's like, well, what if it took years to, like, manage my books? Yeah, my books suck. I'm bad with money. <laughs> Um, and he's like, you know, there's no deadline. Uh, there's no timeline to heal. This is the only beginning of our story. And then um, she gives the gift. She gives the gift. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The gift is a marriage mask made out of like pink rock salt um, that will dissolve when he, Ali, uses his water power to... Um, to to do the ceremony uh so it is a combination of both traditions uh jinn and marid which is a very thoughtful beautiful gift and we have to remember because he gave up all his firepower in the end of book three so we knew from book two with the marriage mash marriage mask um it would turn to ash and he can't do that anymore so she she uh, it's so thoughtful. And she he's saying that because also at the end of book three, he's like, take as long as you need. You've gone through it. I will still be here. So the transition here where he's she's like, oh, thank God. OK, well, if you're if you're down, I have this gift thing. Here's the background. You can still dissolve it. He's like, you gave me a marriage mask. And he's like, do you have anybody in mind to use it? And her internal dialogue is yes. But what she says is, um, yes, like someone who needs time, someone who hopes that their feelings are clear, even if they can't. I know I'm like really like close, <laughs> even if if even if I can't like say them yet. And he's like, oh, my light, they are clear and it's all very thoughtful. He's like, you know, when you're ready, you know, we will write our story. We deserve happiness. You know, will we be happy? I do believe we'll be happy. Oh, my God. I love them so much. I remember you texted me and I was like, you were like, I can't tell you. And then I got to the part because I didn't know what you were referring to. And then I sent you the same picture. And I was like, well, that was rude. You didn't yeah. <laughs> was, you said unwell. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then I got there and I go, you're rude. It is, it is just very surprising. It, it takes you by surprise. You know, all these like welling of emotions because you really do love these characters. You spend all this time with them. I I just really love it. Uh, I I want to just add before we wrap up here that in case listeners you don't know, um, me personally, Laura Marie, when I am prepping for Akafe and we have to read a novella such as this, uh, we I do not um, read the trilogy and like think about the novella at all when we do Shadowhunters. Uh, when I'm in the story and we're reading the book, I am not thinking about the novellas. I'm not thinking about any of that at all because I want to stay in the, the like present tense with you, Jess, as you read. And I don't want to be thinking about 
this marriage mask that fucking breaks me at the end of the book. I have to be excited about the ending of let's rebuild the world together. I can't be excited about the ending of let's have this marriage mask together. So it is important to me, just to me, when I'm doing prep to stay in the moment. So it is delightful for me personally to enjoy this, especially this end chapter that I love so much, um, with you knowing all of the story. Um, Because I couldn't fucking bring it up when we were doing anything else. (laughs) Yeah, well, this is like... I mean, I really with everything that I feel like 99% of the stuff that we do, because you have been my my guide through it all. You're like, even with our Throne of Glass episodes, you're like, uh-huh, interesting. Like, you're so in the moment. I would never know that you, you're like... Like you're on your millionth read because it's been out for over 10 years. Like you're so good. I mean, you're poker face. Like you should be a poker face trillionaire Um, when it comes to these because you really wouldn't know. And how you don't spiral again, like with with Shadowhunters or like Will Harrendale. You checked in with me. You were like, hey, what's going on? How are you doing this weekend? And I sent you a paragraph of like where I was. And you're like, oh, so not well. You're spiraling. I don't know where that came from, but you spiraling this weekend. How you don't do that with our reads is beyond me. Uh, you know, you know like it's beyond me too. It's beyond me too. I don't know. I do. I do what I can. I do what I can. Um, but but th- this one in particular, especially because this book hasn't been out very long compared to like some of the other books that we've read that have novellas that have been out for a very long time. Uh, we haven't had a long time to like sit with this, but this is a very beautiful book. It fits in gorgeously with the, uh, with the other trilogy and, you know, you can fit it in perfectly with the context. Uh, Jess, did you like this book? I loved this book. I'm so glad we decided to do it. I know people can be hit or miss when you have anthologies or novellas, but if the author writes it, try to read it. (laughs) I do want to just uh, mention real quickly that the narrator is the same narrator as the original trilogy. And the narrator is consistent through all of these different stories. It is not a anthology like uh, Cassandra Clare, where there are different narrators. So that is just something to consider if you do the audio of this book when reading. When you read this book, did you or I guess Remember when we were talking about in previous episodes, specifically to Dave Abad, you had you had mentioned that you read them back to back to back. So they kind of all blended for you. Did that include this book, too? Or did you was this this fourth book not out yet? This fourth book was not out yet when I first completed the trilogy. Okay, so then when it came out, you were like, gimme, gimme, gimme. (laughs) Yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, But again, if the author writes it, you should read it. And uh, novellas like this are bountiful for the reader. There's just so much to pull from. So I absolutely love it. More people need to read this. Uh, Give it to me on some sort of screen. So thanks for joining us. Follow us on Instagram. We're at Acafe Podcast. We're also both on TikTok, Acafe Laura and Acafe Jessica. Thanks for joining us. And we hope to talk to you all soon. Bye. Bye.